Hello, SRU. What's going on, friends? I tell you what, we're happy to be back here with episode four of the Hello, SRU podcast. And today we had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Seth Jenny and Adam Schultz. And we talked about esports. And I admitted this to them at the beginning of the episode. And Nick, you and I went back and forth on it a little bit as well. I'm super skeptical about this topic going in. I was interested in it. But I'm skeptical. And I don't know that I came out of the conversation any less skeptical. No, and I think I think you're in the right place. And I think that's where a lot of people are when we think about the esports industry. Some of the the statistics are just shocking of what's out there. And I mean, even for somebody like me, I've played video games my whole life, you know, I, but there's a negative connotation that comes along with esports, right? We think of it as like, well, how can playing video games be a sport, you know, or whatever it might be. And and that negative connotation is something that uh, really, to me, shows the importance of an episode like this, you know, to be able to talk through some of these things to bring awareness uh, and, and, you know, maybe like you, Jeremy, maybe maybe you don't turn you into a believer, but it's still an interesting topic that we need to talk about. Absolutely. And it was certainly one that I enjoyed. And our guests were Dr. Seth Janney, who is a professor of exercise science, which is also interesting in the fact that he's an esports person. But I mean, the dude was an all-American steeplechaser, the captain of the Slippery Rock cross country and track teams. And now he's researching video games. But it was a great conversation. And joining him was Adam Schultz, who is a junior computer science and philosophy major from State College. And we did get into a little bit about the uh, fact that he is a philosophy major in computer science and how that sort of plays into his philosophy now as the president of the esports club. So take a listen. Uh, hope you enjoy it. I certainly did. Hey, gentlemen, how you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Yeah. Hey, thanks. For, listen, I mean, I got no complaints. What is it? It's the middle of winter. We're in a semester that's once again online. Um, but I don't know. I'm adjusting. I got no complaints. What about you two? Yeah, I can't really complain either. You know, just kind of settling into the into the virtual space. Um, I mean, Adam, yeah, yeah. So you're you're the student in this conversation, right? So you, Seth, and I get to talk from the faculty perspective. Yeah, this is great. I got no problems. But you're the one that's got to sit through like multiple Zoom classes. I only have to sit through and suffer through myself talking on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I uh, kind of definitely find myself a lot more accustomed to my desk than usual. But, you know, again, can't really complain. I'm usually in front of a computer playing video games in some sort. So, you know, it's not too bad. Yeah. So and that's, you know, what we wanted to have you gentlemen on here today to talk about was this whole esports thing. And Adam, you know, you are the president of the SRU Esports Club. Uh, Dr. Jenny, you have expertise in this area from the academic side and also now from the, the student organization side. And look, we just wanted to get you on here to talk about this. And I, and I will tell you this, I'll admit this right at the beginning here. I am super skeptical about this, right? So I never played video games. Um, I didn't grow up playing video games. I don't play video games now. I have two daughters, neither of which play video games. Um, I was an athlete. I'm still, uh, I still do competitive athletics. I don't get it in other words, right? So, and, and you know, honestly, Seth, going through your background and, and your experience in, in cross country and track and field and all American steeplechaser. I mean, come on. I'm like, my initial question here is, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense, right? Like how, so help me out here, gentlemen. 
Yeah. So um, esports is organized competitive video gaming. And so we're, we're, there is definitely the competitive side to it. And I think, um, you know, one of the things when, when you think about esports, a lot of times people think about this is sedentary. People are s- primarily seated when they're playing. And so how can this be a sport, number one? And I don't know that we need to go down that rabbit hole of whether it's a sport or not. I think it's entertainment and and um, that's a whole nother argument. But um, when you think about what has been accepted within society in the past, one of the examples is um, pistol shooting, okay? That's commonly accepted as a sport. It's been in the Olympics. It's one of the original sports. But when you look at what a pistol shooter does, you know, target shooting, is that they put their hand out in front of them. They're trying not to move anything and they pull their their index finger to to fire the weapon well they're in my opinion more physical movement more physicality in esports than there is in pistol shooting and that's an accepted uh sport and so um I think as people start to play game video games and they see the amount of skill required to play at a high elite level, then it starts to become accepted. Um, I think that uh, you're an anomaly in the sense that nobody in your family plays video games. Um, When you look at uh, some of the statistics, and and I'll let Adam take over in a second here, but 75% of Americans have at least one video game player in their household. Um, That's from Entertainment Software Association. There are 46 million uh, people in the U.S., uh, that um, play, well, I'm sorry, that, that have a disability that play video games. So that's one of the other unique facets of it is, is that people with disabilities, it's the inclusive nature of, of gaming. And when you look at the esports side of things, um, Nuzu talks about 495 million global esports, what they call the esports audience. So this is a massive growing um, exponential year after year over the last like 10 years. It has been increasing and particularly it's blown up in the U.S., particularly around 2016 when colleges and universities started adding what you call varsity programs, esports programs. And some of these are housed in the Department of Athletics and they're offering scholarship. Yeah, and and I think that's one area that Probably some, so just a little backstory that's somewhat related. My wife is the faculty athletic rep at Westminster College. Um, and so she's highly involved in the NC, at the NCAA level. And when she came home and was telling me that esports is being considered by the NCAA as adoption in, you know, Division Three, which is where she's at, I was like, that's when I first was like, wait, what? Like that, that's when the one that, that didn't really make sense to me. I'm like, but you're right. It's a varsity sport. And then, you know, universities and colleges across the country are handing out scholarships for this thing. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, so Adam, maybe you can help me out here. It's like, so what's the appeal then to uh, a college student? What's the appeal to, or probably even more so a high school student? <laughs> Yeah, I think that, you know, we live in a pretty interesting time where technology is understatement. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Interesting 
Yeah, with like an asterisk and then a long paragraph of everything going on in the world. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it's interesting in the sense that um, our society is rapidly transforming into a more technologically savvy, um, I don't know, community. Um, it's becoming more ingrained into our culture. So um, it's interesting to see how quickly people are able to pick up technology. And one of the things that uh, for me when I was growing up is just like my interactions that I've had with uh, computers and the fact that, you know, just getting um, ingrained into that sense, sort of learning how it works, uh, definitely helped me to understand uh, the complexity of video games and just how important they can be and being considered as uh, more of a competitive sport. Um, so I definitely think that, you know, society definitely plays a big role in determining um, how esports is accepted. And for me specifically, you know, when I was in high school, uh, just considering my interests, obviously I liked playing video games. Wasn't sure, sure where that was going to take me, but um, just recognizing that there is a part of uh, your post-secondary education that accepts um, maybe the the culture around video games and the um, the prospects of where it can go, I think is is definitely a uh, a plus and and just how how you get ingrained into that community. Yeah, and I think you know, and Seth, you mentioned it that the growth in the industry, and Adam, you mentioned it again. I mean, it's like a one billion dollar and growing industry right now. We're not even talking about just participants, but in the revenue that this thing is generating. But my that, most recent paper, we argue that it's a twenty five billion dollar industry. Oh, right, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. But I think so, Adam. You mentioned community, right? So, what is it about this? What makes it a community, right? What's so unique to esports, or, or I guess, what makes it? What's the draw there? And I know, like in a pandemic, we're talking about like the, you know the ability for esports to sort of engage us in ways that we we aren't able to engage. Um, normally, right? Like you all don't get to hang out on campus the way that you maybe were able to in the past and, and esports and video games and, and all these platforms offer that opportunity. But like Seth mentioned, this has been going on since 2016, well before a pandemic. So this community aspect has been there, right? So I don't know, man, like what is that? Where are we going with that? I definitely think a large contribution to that is just the readily available access to that community. Obviously, you know, you're sitting in front of a computer uh, sure. Within a few clicks, you can easily uh, get in contact with a friend and say, hey, let's play a game. So that is definitely a positive of just the interaction aspect. Um, you know, just comparing that to uh, physical interaction, obviously, we're, we're very limited um, as of right now with the, with the pandemic, especially, and the amount of physical interaction that we can have just because, um, you know, there's always that air of, um, you know, concern with uh, spreading the virus and stuff like that. But um, if you have a virtual community, there isn't necessary, necessarily uh, a stigma of really risking a whole lot of physical repercussions. It's more so you put yourself in that situation and you're immediately able to gain that connection with someone else. 
I would add on to that. So some of the other major things that have happened that has increased the prevalence of of esports and video gaming is when, you know, when I was growing up, um, my, my one of my favorite uh, gaming systems was certainly the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, and then the Sega Genesis, and that's all console local gaming. Okay, and then we have the blast of the internet and this is where when esports really started to take off because you're able to game at home against someone else who's not physically present and so you've got the whole connections through the internet and so when you have people Adam's age and younger when that has been their life since the beginning now it's become more prevalent so some people who tend to be um, I'm stereotyping but older than 40-ish they didn't grow up in that environment, so they don't quite get it as easily unless they have kids or grandkids that are into the gaming culture, and then they start to understand it. So my point is, is that we've been exposed to it more, and so now it's more commonplace with, with the younger generation. Sure. Uh, but for the record, I am not over 40. Um, <laughs> I'm, into that I'm 41. I just look good, yeah. buddy. <laughs> good for you, man. I don't know what that says about me. There, the there's the gray here. If I, yeah, there you go. You can see it. Yeah. <laughs> this, is funny, this is why this is a podcast and not a TV show. Oh, oh dang it. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. My mother always said I had a face for radio. So this is this is why we're not vi- <laughs> we're not doing oh. a TV show here. And But to your... No, okay. But no, hang but on. You're, to, you're to right. Point, ahead, Nick. That's Sorry. okay. To his point, you're 100% right. I mean, to me, it was, uh, you know, seeing the East, like the rise of the esports. And I grew up the same way. Console, I'm 35. I grew up 34. Grew up a uh, console gamer and just kind of having, you know, doing things on my own. But then it was really interesting getting into when the internet started coming through and you're playing, um, you know, things like World of Warcraft or even first person shooters like Call of Duty. The community aspect was really, really interesting to me. Like, here's these people that you just end up playing with, uh, you know, once a day, once a week, however often you're playing and they become friends to you. Like there's this one quick story. My, I had, a was in grad school, had no money. My phone died. My smartphone, I had a, I got a Blackberry at the time died and I had no smartphone and I'm in the middle of grad school. I'm missing emails. I'm freaking out. Well, this person that was a part of my friend group from playing this game with, she mailed me a phone. I've never met this woman in person other than Facebook friends. And she asked for my address. Say, I have this phone for you. I said, I can't pay you for it. She goes, it's in the mail. Don't worry about it. So here's this person who I've never met face to face across the country in Georgia, who's mailing me a smartphone that something, you know, my friend down the street probably wouldn't do for me, but it's that idea of community. It's really interesting how it's like a, it's a shared experience. Right. Um, and the age thing is a hundred percent true, but it's also like Jeremy said, so my wife, kind of another story there, she's 34 and I'm researching esports the other night and I lean over to her and I say, Hey, if I started playing PlayStation right now, can I justify the fact that I'm doing this for work? And she just laughed at me. So <laughs> I'm not there yet, but I'm working, I'm working on the justification. Um, but it is kind of this either you're all in or you're clueless with, with the industry right now. And I think this is a really cool topic for us to be talking about because it's only like we said, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, and I think too, going off of your point, there's also that sense of interconnectedness with the world and gaining an exposure to uh, perspectives and opinions that, you know, you might not have already been exposed to just in your local setting. So um, that that's definitely another point to add to the cultural or the community sp- uh, perspective. Yeah, and I, so and that's the point I get, right? That's the one, that's the aspect of this that that does make sense to me, right? 
I have a background in, in clinical mental health. I understand that the need for human interaction and, and human connection is significant, right? It's it's a foundational piece of us as human beings. I So I, I completely understand the community thing that Nick's talking about and Adam that you're talking about. But what I struggle with, I guess, is exposure to technology, right? I, I, what's the balance point here between I, I want you to be connected and I want you to feel, especially now in this, in this pandemic, I want you to have a sense of community. I, it's, you know, Seth, you're talking about individuals with disabilities and physical disabilities in particular. And, and that speaks to me. I, I teach in the special education department. And so I love the community aspect, but I hate the fact that people are sitting in front of screens. So how do we balance that thing, right? Because I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate. Get your butt outside, get moving, um, be physical. So where's the, where's the balance there? Like, how do we, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons why I believe that a educational programming, particularly in higher education is needed. And, you know, I'm in the department of exercise science at, um, slippery rock. And so this is why we need to have more education focused on what are the long-term health impacts of people who are seated for long durations, i.e. video game players. But, you know, certainly we could have the same discussion with college professors at the moment right now because most of them are probably sitting in front of a computer just as much as as typical esports players. Um, It's just like anything. It needs to be done in moderation. You know, the the CDC recommends 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity for for children and then for adults, 150 minutes a week of... of, um, moderate physical activity, you know, built up. So are you getting those recommended physical activity levels outside of gaming? So gaming is okay, but if you're doing, you know, long night, so you have interrupted sleep patterns, you're, if you're eating poorly, if you're not exercising, um, if you're having eye strain, if you're having lower back pain, these are all the types of things that need to be taught to, the population. And that's what one of the things I hope to do. Yeah. And I say, I think that's where, again, that's where my, my, my conflict comes up is that I'm, I'm, I worry that when we attach scholarships to these sorts of programs, right, then the incentive then is to spend extra time becoming extra good at the esports in order to get the scholarship. And in, in, in doing that, I mean, we're limited in the capacity with time. But there's, there's significant research that I think a lot of gamers don't recognize or know about that exercise improves cognition, i.e. executive functioning. Mm-hmm. And so if we exercise, then we're going to actually improve our game performance. And that's exactly. the type of re- – so the, the study I'm doing right now, it's a virtual protocol with the New York Institute of Technology. And um, we have three different c- – uh, conditions for esports players to do. We have two hours continuous of, F- of first-person shooter gameplay. We have two hours, but in the middle, they take a six-minute brisk walk break. And then the last condition is in the middle, they take a complete supine laying down rest. And pre-post in all those conditions, we track executive functioning scores as well as gaming performance. And we're looking at to what extent light exercise, i.e. brisk walking, will have 
for impacting um, video game play. And so when we start to see empirical evidence supporting that exercise improves esports performance, then we'll start to get more people to buy into that from the individual player level to the or the team level to the organizational level. And I see Adam smirking there. I'm interested to hear his reaction yeah. to that. Yeah, no, I was just going to agree with, with what you were saying. I think that there is obviously something to be said about, you know, everything in moderation as the saying goes, um, there's, there's definitely a trend that if you continue to uh, prolong some activity for an extended period of time and you're solely focusing on that thing and nothing else, and um, maybe you're not caring for your physical or mental well-being, then that can definitely contribute to not only your own uh, physical well-being or mental well-being, but also your performance in doing that activity. So, um, I think that that's where we've been seeing a lot of steps towards uh, within the collegiate and larger esports organizations, uh, garnering an importance on mental health well-being, uh, making sure that you know you're not just using uh, video games as an escape to maybe answer deeper questions or kind of figure out um, the root cause of of, of something. Um, and then also on the physical aspect, uh, you know, not just using video games as an escape to uh, think about your physical health and down the line, how that might affect, um, you know, your quality of life as you get into uh, maybe maybe your older, older years. Let, let me throw in another food for thought. So I think the other piece to it is the cultural component where um, in 2018, I believe there was uh, 50 billion hours of Netflix consumed, okay, was was viewed. About the same amount of hours for YouTube gaming. That's sort of the, the gaming viewership of YouTube. Well, you know, Jeremy, if I if if I could see it'd be very commonplace and well accepted if you came back and to to work the next day, hey, I binge watched Game of Thrones last night and everybody's oh yeah, tell me about it, blah blah blah. If you come back and say, hey, I was playing Mario Kart for eight hours last night, you'd be like, what are you talking about? That's totally abnormal and you're weird, right? So it's what's culturally acceptable. And so it's totally culturally acceptable to watch Netflix or to stream Amazon video for as long as you want. But if you're talking about you played the same amount of time video gaming and all of a sudden you're wacko. I mean, I will say that I'm probably the wacko in the fact that I don't even watch TV. So it binge, <laughs> binge watching eight hours of anything to me is wacko, right? I watch the only time I watch a television show is when I'm, I swear, when I'm riding a stationary bike. So like, <laughs> I understand that I am not in the norm. Eight hours is extreme. That was just, you know, we could well, say no, two hours or three hours, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I, Adam, I get it, right? You're talking about everything in moderation. I, I'm the same way, right? Like, I, I will run for an extremely long period of time, but then I also have to take breaks or I hurt myself. So, what I'm hearing from the, the two of you is like you're almost coming up with a training protocol for video gamers, right? Like, it's sort of uh, like an exercise program, right? Like, 
you know, Seth, you might be able to relate to this, right? You sit out, you sit down at the beginning of the week and you write out your training plan for the week. And I'm going to do X amount of miles at this pace. And I'm going to do X amount of miles at this pace. I'm going to mix in some cross training and some strength training on these days to kind of balance it all out. So I'm hearing that it's almost the same thing with your recommendations for esports players and that, you know, obviously the, the research that you're doing is ongoing. Um, but is that where we're going, right? To, to more, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the, the term that people use for is grinding. Like, hey, you want to get better, you need to grind. And so what these younger players, you know, they're 10-year-olds playing Fortnite and they hear that from these older esports pros, then they think that, hey, that means I need to game until two in the morning every night. That's the only way I'm going to get better. And what we what we need to do is do more research to show that that's not the best way because you're going to ha- shorten your career because you're going to get injured. I mean, th- you can Google it right now and you'll find news reports of professional esports players, quote unquote, retiring at 21 years old or 22 years old because they have arm pain or they have low back pain because they've been doing things to the extreme when it doesn't necessarily mean that they were um, what they were doing was as effective to be as good of a player as as they could be when intermittent breaks and taking rest breaks and taking and when it, resting is resting your eyes, resting your body. Um, you know, do we know exactly what's the combination of rest versus gameplay? We don't know. Um, that's one of the things that we're working through. But um, yeah, that's what and what needs to be done in the esports field is to thwart this whole thing about the only way to get better is to grind. Absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, just like Adam has said, and you've said repeatedly, moderation is key, right? I mean, that goes with chocolate or video games, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess I, my question then. Uh, how do you do that? Right. So understanding what the culture is, what it is. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not, I don't actually live in a cave. It just sounds that way. I mean, my 11 year old daughter does have friends and their parents are like, yeah, my kid plays video games all the time. Like how do we get that message to them? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is just breaking the societal conception of what we think of when we first think of video games. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, when we were working on our Minecraft SRU campus, that was kind of um, sort of an exposure into thinking that, hey, video games can be larger than just someone sitting on a couch, so to speak, wasting time, you know, um, or, or just kind of uh, just kind of playing the, the video game for fun, that it can be something more than that, um, that there can be some sort of exterior meaning that, uh, reinforces a higher, uh, I don't know, societal hierarchy, or it just kind of makes it a little more acceptable. Yeah, no, I get it. And, you know, you mentioned it, so I'll, I'll mention it again. If people weren't familiar, you know, your club, and, and then obviously there's some others involved in that, from my understanding, is building Slippery Rock in Minecraft. Um, and that is, I will say, one game I am a little bit familiar with. Um, and so, you know, Justin has done an article on that and that it's, so can you talk about that sort of development and community aspect, perhaps I mean, one of the things you mentioned was, you know, maybe this would be a site for a virtual commencement ceremony, you know, I, how cool would that be? Right. 
I know. Yeah, I've seen it happen. So uh, like one of the main motivations is just seeing how disconnected some people can be um, in an in-person sense to our university community. community. Obviously, there's a difference between um, physically being somewhere and being virtually somewhere. Um, You're not physically in that space here you're kind of imagining yourself there in a way, uh, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I think that the main motivation was just to find a way where we can allow our our campus community and our club's community to interact with campus in that same in-person way. So um, I think UC Berkeley and University of Washington have done similar projects where they've just completely redone their campus. And from from there, you know, uh, there's been exposure from incoming students who want to get a tour of campus, but maybe live too far away or they don't have the time or something like that. So it just kind of adds to the value of our campus that, hey, there's like a virtual um, recreation that that you can tour uh, if you don't have the means of of physically uh, doing so. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, it is one of the cool things, right? And and I will once again say that, you know, any aspect of community building and relationship building, whether it's in a virtual space or in a face-to-face space, you know, we we can talk about the importance of that for days. So I do, I do appreciate that. And, and I guess in, in a similar note, you know, you guys are getting ready to, at the time of this recording, host your uh, spring Pashi uh, esports tournaments, right? So you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, so we're going to be hosting three uh, esports tournaments with uh, games focusing on uh, Mario Kart for our first tournament, uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for the second, and Counter-Strike Global Offensive for the third. Um, So our original conception was just to uh, keep the registration open for SRU students only, uh, but then we started thinking more big picture and whether it be possible to open up these tournaments to other uh, universities within the Pashi school system. Uh, so that's kind of where the uh, where the project has been going. We're, we're definitely reaching out, um, coordinating with the campus rec and the Office of Student Engagement and Leadership to get the word out there and just make sure that people are aware that, hey, this is going on. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's an opportunity, um, some sort of virtual community space where players can get together and um, have that competitiveness in an intercollegiate level. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and again, <laughs> I, we use the word systemness jokingly sometimes, but yeah, this does bring in a bunch of people from from our other you know institutions in the state and just allows people to interact in a way that they for, let's face it, unless you're a college athlete, you know, you're not going to interact for the most part with students from other institutions, certainly not in this, in this sort of informal or even competitive manner. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it is cool. So what is our, so what's the direction you would say, gentlemen, and, and Dr. Jenny, I'll open this up to you as well. What's the direction of esports at SRU? Yeah, so um, back in 2018, I helped develop one of the first esports majors in the United States at, with Shenandoah University. And so now we're looking at creating some academic curriculum, so esports focused courses at Slippery Rock. Um, we're looking at proposing an esports undergraduate minor. 
And then I'm also this uh, fall, I'm proposing to have a university seminar course for incoming freshmen focused on esports called Game On. This is esports. And also a couple of other esports courses, um, current issues, and an introduction to esports that would potentially be with the minor. Um, and as well as uh, I'll let Nick talk about a, a course that he might um, be developing for the near future, too. Yeah. So along with uh, the proposed minor that we're, we're all working on, it was it was kind of brought to my attention to think about an esports production class, which is kind of uh, a communication angle and, and the production that goes into this. And it's at first I was like, well, yeah, I'm a gamer. I, you know, I'm, I would love to do this. And then I start diving into more of the competitiveness and the actual, like the sports broadcasting into it. And there's just so much to learn. And it's so fascinating. Uh, so I'm excited from my angle too, to be able to be a part of that potential program and thinking about how not only our department in communication, what we can offer, but also how can we grow that esports production side of our curriculum, even down to having conversations with our dean and meeting, you know, trying to find, is there, is there a space on campus where we can feasibly build an esports arena that not only gives you know our esports team a place to play but it gives our communication students a place to practice their production and really kind of turn it into this shared space between these departments that's also a transformational learning experience so uh, I know from my angle I'm very excited and, and the focus would be interdisciplinary so this could be any uh, major student wanting to minor in esports and and you know different transferable skills would be taught within this minor. So obviously Nick would be teaching through production and communication angle and and I might be teaching health um, promotion types of of components of it. There's a lot of angles to business, um, a lot of different angles to media communications. So yeah, we're really excited about the the possibility of, of starting that here at Slippery Rock. Is this like an is this a national trend? Are there lots of places that are doing this, or like where are we at? I would say yes, I uh, just submitted an article where we found around the globe eighty esports programs, ranging from undergrad um, minors certificates, undergrad major bachelor's degrees, and graduate degrees um, focused on esports. Uh, in the U.S., um, there's probably about seven or eight undergraduate minors, and they, they tend to have a particular focus in them. That's, that's where we are right now. But the first one in the U.S. was Becker College in Massachusetts in 2018. So we're in, it, wow. in the infancy of, of esports academic curriculum. That's awesome. That's a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you know, gentlemen, I really appreciate, you know, you coming on here and talking about this. We love talking about all the cool things that Slippy Rock's doing, and this certainly fits into that category. Um, I'm not ready to trade my long run days for Fortnite, but uh, I will tell you that, you know, uh, anything you can do to engage our students, our faculty, our community, you know, I'm all for it. So, you know, keep going, have fun with it, and good luck with your tournaments, and Adam, yeah, I think you're doing a nice job weaving that computer science and philosophy uh, degrees there together. So nice job. Yeah. I, I do want to add on. So you wanted us to, I think I was getting the impression, Jeremy, you wanted some more hard, concrete, specific recommendations. So let, there's what's called the 20-20-20 rule. 
And that what one of those recommendations is, is that after every 20 minutes of gaming, you, you, I see you're getting a pen and paper, write this down. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes For of sure. gaming, you take a 20 second break and you look at something that's 20 feet or greater away to rest the eyes. And so that's one of those gaming recommendations for health. Um, From a parent perspective, one of the things that we do is we totally regulate the amount of time our kids are on. um, They play Among Us, Minecraft, and Madden are their in Rocket League are probably their four favorite games. And so they each get 30 minutes a day of gaming. Then if they want more time, they can run a mile yes. to earn fifth they can to earn 15 minutes of uh, uh and they now they're doing we have a treadmill at home so they're earning 15 minutes by running a mile my other my older son does two miles so he gets 30 minutes and then we also do some strength training programs that are sort of like we have a, a dvd player and we follow a long training it's like a 15 minute strength training program and they get 15 minutes of gaming if they do that too so we build in um, a pretty regimented, if you want more gaming time, then you have to do some physical activity. And that's what, what I'm doing. I think, you kids. know what? Can I have a list of that? Because I think I need to, <laughs> I got to do that myself. Forget about my kids. I got to do that for myself. <laughs> I was going to say, my kids are going to have a rough night time at dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, no, seriously though, those are the recommendations though, you know, Seth, that those are the things that we were talking about, right? Like how do you get that information out to people? Because it is, look, I see the benefits. I do, but I also want to make sure that you know we're hitting those physical activity milestones. We're getting outside. We're we're moving around and engaging. And here, so here's a benefit of gaming. Um, we play a lot of backyard. Well, in our house, it's front yard football. All right. Uh, I'm I'm usually QB one, the you know quarterback. Uh, my kids started come up to me and telling me like, "Hey, I'm running a post route. I'm running." And a flag is like, how did you learn all these route names? It's like, dad, we've learning all this stuff on Madden. <laughs> and so that's one of the, actually the first research studies I did was focused on to what extent can you learn about sports from playing the video game version of the sport. And my, I can see it in my kids how much increased knowledge they have from playing specifically the sports simulation games, which is pr- pretty unique. So there's definitely some of the cognitive benefits of, of gaming too. Dr. Jenny, can you also add, uh, we talked about the uh, development of academic programs. And anytime an academic program is implemented, um, you know, parents of students uh, or even students, they want to know, how will this help me get a job, um, this particular degree? Can you speak to a little bit of the the, the job opportunities that are out there in esports industry and as it connects to the development of academic programs? Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned, globally, the esports industry is a $25 billion industry. And so when you're thinking about some of the types of jobs that are related to esports, um, you can think about uh, marketing, communication, health promotion, um, uh, sponsorships, um, the medical side to esports. Pretty much think about sport management and then all those associated jobs that surround promotion of sport, coaching, uh, marketing, anything that um, you can think of that r- relates to business, you can. There are jobs out there focused specifically for esports. But again, the academic programming at Slippery Rock with esports wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole them that hey, you can only apply for esports jobs. We're going to teach you transferable skills 
through the lens of esports so that we're going to increase our communication, that we're going to increase our teamwork. We're going to be able to uh, decipher academic literature to know what's best practices for anything. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that will be in the university seminar course is, is looking at um, how do we read a media article and question whether that's accurate information or not. And so, we're doing that through the lens of esports, and you can do that with anything. I mean, I'd, I'd like to slap my dad sometimes of some of the stuff that he comes of, hey, did you read this on Facebook? I was like, dad, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the type of stuff that needs to be taught to everyone. No doubt. I need to get him to audit my class. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, we really appreciate it. Um, you mind if I share some uh, Twitter handles here? Sure. So, Adam, you are uh, esports, so that's at Slip Rock Esports on Twitter. Yeah. And then, Dr. Jenny, you are at Dr. Seth Jenny. Yep. DR um, Seth Jenny. DR Seth Jenny. So, gentlemen, once again, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm. I will be following this and I'm sure a lot of other people will. It is interesting uh, whether you're a believer or not yet, it, you know, it's coming. So thank you for your efforts, your time, Adam. Good luck with the rest of your program and uh, gentlemen, pleasure. We will count on you to uh, um, give us a supportive approval vote when it comes to uh, curriculum committees. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know what? I'm not on, I'm not on the curriculum committee anymore. So I got, I got nothing for well, you. Anybody, we're talking about the listeners though, too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Sign a petition. Yes, exactly. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Thank See you. you gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And welcome to the fact check portion. Uh, if you're a first time listener, welcome. And this is the point of the show where everyone gets to go back and point out all the mistakes I made first, or this is where we bring Justin in and he actually gives us some real facts instead of the made up ones that I sometimes use. So what's up, Justin? Oh, not much. Glad to be, uh, welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Justin really, you know, again, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, you know, Justin in terms of what he does for us on the podcast is the one that goes out and finds these stories for us. And, and Justin, like we talked about earlier, has a great news story out there, uh, in terms of esports and with Seth and Adam and things like that. So, uh, we're going to call you our resident expert here, Justin. That's why you're so qualified to fact check us. Well, two years ago, I wrote about the growth of the esports club at uh, at SRU, and I think that's something that maybe we didn't uh, we understated the the had the popularity of it. I mean, this was in the esports club as far as a student organization goes. That in in 2017 they only had 15 members, and now they're they have more than 100 members of the of the club now, and they compete every weekend against like Rutgers, Penn State. They they're always in these tournaments and uh, and just just that the the amount of uh, the emergence of this uh, this club and this interest in esports, I think, is something that uh, uh, we can't underscore enough. Yeah, I mean, some of the stats that that Seth was throwing out there, and I, and I know Nick, you probably know that some of these better than better than me for sure. But just the engagement in these things is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to find. I can't. I must have wrote it down somewhere else. Um, the number of people that show up for an esports tournament. Now I'm talking like an international tournament or a national tournament for like League of Legends or something like that. 
the number of people that tune in to watch these live streams, essentially of these competitions, I mean, far outweigh the Super Bowl, you know, and we talk about the Super Bowl in broadcasting is like the the Mecca of how many people watch this thing, right? The big game. Uh, we have advertisers like paying just ridiculous amounts of money uh, to 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 advertise in between segments and we just kind of put it up on this pedestal in terms of production and broadcasting but you if you look at like the ratings of those compared to the ratings of like a, a league of legends tournament i'm telling you it's not even close it's just not even close it's crazy to me that people are tuning into that kind of thing yeah again i mean it's not it's definitely not something that I still fully understand. I, I understand the the appeal to to students, and I I I really appreciate Adam's message and and what he's trying to accomplish, and and what the esports community itself is trying to accomplish. And I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, call me old school, call me an old man, call me whatever, but whew, it, it's crazy <laughs> though. I mean, you can't ignore it, and I think that that's one of the nice things. The one of the things I appreciated about that conversation is the way that they're being very proactive in how they think about this in thinking about how this can be incorporated into a curriculum and, and what it can do for our students, not just, you know, while they're at Slippery Rock, but obviously what they do with everything uh, once they graduate. And you can't ignore it, right? I mean, like the total esports market revenue size is about $24, $25 billion dollars, you know, with a lot of money going towards game publishers, streaming platforms, digital tools, you know, for streaming cameras, microphones and all those things. Uh, then it goes to the teams, the professionals. You got physical, physical products, leagues and tournaments. I mean, we don't even talk about sponsorships like some of these players are getting sponsorships like, uh, you, you know, like an NFL player would or a race car driver would. And in terms of like what's on their jerseys is like a sticker on a car. Uh, you know, I've seen some streamers have like a Red Bull fridge in the background because they're sponsored by by Red Bull. I mean, so, when you know, when you if you look at it in terms of revenue and numbers, it's you, you can't ignore it. And that's the part I get, right? I get the entertainment part of it and I get the advertising and I get the engagement and I get the community aspect. I'm, I'm with you. It's the sports part, right? That I, and I know Seth compared it to, to pistol shooting, competitive pistol shooting. And I know Justin, you have, um, you have an article that you pulled up here from Dr. Jenny that you wanted to go through, but that's, that's where I'm at. Well, let's let's go through that. So, uh, Dr. Jenny uh, authored an article. This is back in um, uh, 2016, called uh, "Virtually Athletes" um, with the "ly" in parentheses. Where esports fit within the de the definition of "quote unquote" sport. Okay, so let's go through this uh, this checklist. So, uh, this definition of uh, the characteristics of a sport were taken from uh, a number of scholars and sociologists, including Alan Gutman, who uh, in 1978 wrote uh, the uh, the nature of modern sports, and also uh, Bernard Suits, who's a philosopher who uh, wrote the elements of sports. So, let's get into the list here. We have um, a sport must include play meaning it's a voluntary, intrinsically motivated activity. Okay. We can so, debate that one. 
Uh, yes, obviously that esports is would qualify. It's not uh, it's not bricklaying. You know, you're uh, you know you're you're not. Uh, it's not part of your. It's in, you're intrinsically motivated to 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 participate in this activity. So that's an how, easy many, how many professional athletes are prof- are intrinsically motivated to play their sport. Or <laughs> when does it change it, from? Is it, is it the one point two million dollar contract? <laughs> I was just going to say motivating that, right? When does it change so, from intrinsic to extrinsic? We need to go back and revise the definition of sport. I think. <laughs> no, no. All right, go ahead, Justin. You're right. So according to this definition, check the box on that one. Yes, it's intrinsically motivated. We can we can agree on that. It's voluntary. Okay, number two, it must be organized or governed by rules. Okay, so this would eliminate the game of tag. If you play tag at recess, not a sport. Come on, man. There are some legitimate rules that are involved <laughs> in tag, and they are highly contested. But it's not governed. There's not a governing body of uh, of tag out there. Isn't Ask there? a third grader, and you'll get a different <laughs> answer. <laughs> so check another box. Yes, for esports, uh, they qualify. They are, they are governing bodies of, of, uh, of, of esports. They govern the rules. It's all these video games have roles to them. Next would be, it includes competition. There is a clear outcome of a winner and a loser. Okay. The example of what you can eliminate here, uh, playing solitaire, the card game solitaire, not a sport. You can lose. You can lose a solitaire. <laughs> can't you get stuck? I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't think you can lose. I just think you can't win. Uh, that that is then by definition losing. <laughs> right? You are then the loser. You are not the winner. You are the loser because you can't tie yourself. But you're not competing. So who oh, are you losing against? Want to bet? You're competing against that card deck. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm, we're not Jeremy here just to a contrarian here. He's <laughs> ready to so be uh, to, to refute every single one of these. <laughs> right, right, right. We're not here to debate. We're not here to debate the definition of sport. I'm sorry. We're not even get to the debatable ones yet for, for esports yet. Why do we get to those? So, all right, check the you next one. Yes, it, 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 you can. There's a winner and a loser when it comes to video games. Okay, next, it must be comprised of a skill, not chance. So. Dice games, gambling, not a sport. See, I'm with you there. I think that's a check. Yep. Okay. Must have a broad following uh, beyond a local fad. Uh, the example of here of what is what would be considered not a sport uh, is Clark Ball. But I can think of all these other made-up sports that you can have. Like even if you're in your office and you have a game where you bounce a ball and see if you can get it to stay on the shelf, um, that's not a sport. It's a it's a fad game that you might play in your office. I'm trying to search for examples of, of something that's a fad. It's a, a sport that's played that's maybe... I'll give you the check for esports. Yeah. I think $25 billion moves it beyond fast. <laughs> yes. Yes. You can agree. Check esports is, um, has a broad following. Okay. Now the two that are debatable, it includes physical skills. It's a skillful and strategic use of one's body. Now, I know Dr. Jenny's mentioned a little bit about the uh, fine motor skills and gross motor skills. Um, and then in the example here of what would not be considered a, a sport would be board games. So if you want to debate this one, um, is esports a physical um, activity? 
Um, if you would uh, ask Dr. Jenny too, he spoke at a lot of conferences about the sports medicine side, about the how these uh, video game players can be injured, uh, you know, corporal corporal tunnel or anything like that. I, I don't know. I, I, so I, can I, people knitting sweaters? <laughs> so in that case, is sweater knitting a sport? You right? can't. There's yeah. no governing body. You have to include all the oh, other I check guarantee marks. There's like some crochet. Is crochet thing. There's some <laughs> crochet people that like really, I don't know. I'm making things up. Well, okay. All right. You know what? On this one, I'm actually less. I think that's, I think there's more of a case for it being a physical activity. If we broaden, depends on how we look at physical activity, right? Right. So if Justin, can you read that definition again? Okay. Yeah. It, it includes physical skills, skillful and strategic use of one's body. It's the skillful and strategic use of one's body. That doesn't say you have to have a heart rate over X, right? To be considered physical using your body. I will, I will give gamers credit here. Their minds work fairly quickly, right? They can, their, their cognitive abilities and their ability to recognize information, process it, and then have their digits move in response to that visual stimuli. In other words, their reflexes probably far exceed. I, I, I'm making stuff up. We're going to have to fact check our own <laughs> fact check. But here's the deal. I know from experience watching video gamers makes me nauseous because I can't keep up with everything that they're doing. They move faster than what I can, than what my brain can process. So I would, I'm going to give them a, a, a light check on this one. Okay. So it's, it's physical skills. It's, you're not going to deny the cognitive skills. I would say this would be the greatest measure of cognitive ability. There's a, a research out of um, uh, Simon Fraser University a few years ago that they said that the peak of a um, an esports athlete is the age 24, where after 24, your cognitive abilities start, start to uh, uh, you know, decline. Decline yeah. after that, and that's you know tell that to a lot of people who are, you know, uh, in the in the peaks of of their other careers. Um, but th that's just more like the raw horsepower of your um, intellect and your cognitive abilities. Whereas you know, many people in other professions they uh, uh, they have what's called uh, crystallized intelligence, where you're kind of getting all of your experiences together uh, um, throughout your career to make decisions. But as far as that, that uh, fluid intelligence, that's they, they, they measure esports athletes because that's a great way to, to, uh, to an, an, an indicator of cognitive skills. Yeah. I mean, the definition that's provided of the definition that's provided for physical ability or uses something physical, Okay. It's a check, right? Well, let me ask you this. Do you consider NASCAR drivers athletes? I mean, they are physically spent after after a race. I mean, yeah. I would I again, this is one of the areas I was like, no, these dudes are just driving a car and then you look at the data, their heart rate is like and this is one where their heart rate is like ridiculously high for an extended amount of time. It's it's almost uh, I'm not going here again because we're going to have to fact check the fact check again. But I know that there is a physical toll on a race car driver's body. It's no different than competitive chess players, right? And there, I know there's data on they, the amount of calories that a competitive and elite chess player will burn in a t chess tournament is absurd. Yeah. Right? Like, so it's probably similar. All yeah. right. Check. check. Okay. We're checking. Yes. All right. So the final one is. It must have achieved institutional stability 
where social institutions have rules which regulate it, stabilizing it as an important social practice. So this is kind of like the first, uh, the second one we mentioned must be organized and governed by rules, but a little more nuanced with the uh, social institutions. And, and the example here of what would not be considered, what would be crossed off the list is hula hoop. Hula hoop is not a sport. I don't know. Have you ever tried to hula hoop? <laughs> so I, I suck at it. I can't do it. <laughs> So right, esports have institutional stability where social institutions. There's nothing that exists related. in this world that doesn't have institutional stability. <laughs> well, see, so I'm actually going Sport the other no way. Sport. I'm going the other way on this because I, this is a gray area, I think, for esports. And I think this is maybe the hang up uh, because it has institutional stability, but I don't think it has like a defining institution that is the for the majority of games because every game has its own institution. Um, you know, so I think of like the NFL, the NFL is the governing body for football, essentially the national football league in terms of um, the professional sport. I, I got to give him a check there. So according, according to my scorecard, we just uh, convinced Jeremy that esports is a sport. <laughs> No, because we had to go back and revise the we had to go back and revise the definitions because I think some of those definitions are sketchy at best. <laughs> Check. But I think as as far as a university goes, we can't ignore this. You know, there are jobs out there for our students uh, no doubt. in a bunch of different places. You know, uh, the one stat that I got from Dr. Jenny was there's eleven thousand active listings from more than fifty countries off of, you know, some of these job sites. Higher ed jobs, which is a big higher education job board, uh, there's universities hiring head esports coaches. Uh, de- degree programs are on the rise. Dr. Jenny, I think you mentioned, I think the first degree program was in fall 2018. You're starting to see those things pop up. So uh, I think from a, you know, sport or non-sport, but from a university standpoint, I think it's something we need to, you know, I'm excited that we're looking into this. For sure. And once again, I mean, I'm all in support of the, you know, academic programs that's that are that are trending towards what the societal needs are, right? Especially in the in the or I guess the economic needs, not the societal needs. Certainly economic needs, right? Go for it, dudes. I I should stop saying dudes. Go for it, Seth and whoever else is going to be collaborating with him. But let's just be careful about normalizing six hours of sedentary behavior. All right. And That's I think probably- we can wrap this up. I think we can wrap this up by saying that um, we can have this podcast saved for uh, posterity as uh, comparable to Katie Couric and Bryant Gumble talking about the internet. Oh, that'll never work out. You know, I mean, the internet's <laughs> never going to be a thing. They'll never make money off of that. And uh, we can have this podcast as an example, uh, you know, 25 years from now or, 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 or Jeremy Lynch was was a, a skeptic of esports. <laughs> yeah, because we have the same viewership as Katie Couric. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> it was a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Have fun. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU Podcast Network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello SRU wherever you get your podcasts.